You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, online at acaville.org. Acaville, where you'll find lots of harmony, but no sax or violins. At the top of the hour this hour, CASA is seeking an events manager to help provide support on all things events. If this person is you, you'll report to the director of events and primarily support the new initiative, Local Vocal. Responsibilities include local team scouting, team building, volunteer onboarding, and helping plan all of the local vocals in each city. This team member will also assist with Laugh, Boss, and SoJam festivals as needed. If you're interested, contact the Director of HR for CASA, Gina Deaton, at Gina, G-I-N-A, at CASA.org. Check out CASA.org for more team openings and information on upcoming projects and events. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. This is Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I am one of your co-hosts, John, and today I am joined by my other co-host, Brian. Brian, how you doing today, man? I understand you just got married like a week I ago. Did. I know. It's crazy. I can't believe it myself, but uh, yes, the, the honeymoon is over, but uh, things are going great, and uh, I'm glad to be back and talking about Acapella. Well, man, congratulations. That's that's yeah. just awesome. It was really cool to like, if I had too much stuff going on to like finish editing something or I needed an excuse, like my, my co-host <laughs> is getting married. Like things are crazy right now, even though well, you know, it didn't affect me at all. I'm glad to be back and uh, offer some stability in your life yes, here. Yes, it makes so. me feel very grounded. So usually <laughs> Brian and I are joined by a guest, but today we wanted to have a little fun and just interview each other. We've had two of these episodes before where I was the host and Brian was the guest, then Brian came on as the co-host. So I think it's super fun that, as we are both co-hosts now, to interview each other, because I think that could be pretty cool. And in our discussions with other uh, acapella guests, we have noticed that there have definitely been some similarities and also pretty interesting differences between the paths we took to end up doing acapella. So Brian, let's dive in. Let's start with you first. And I know we've covered this on previous episodes or just touched on it lightly, but what got you into acapella? Because I think that's something we talk about a lot because everyone's story is different, but it's where things are uniquely the same, whether you're in different states or different groups or whatever that I think Mm -hmm. uh, forms kind of the core of our culture. So I'm always super interested to hear that. So how'd you get into acapella? Yeah. So just to kind of kick things off, when I look back on my history of acapella, you know, I I did the whole choir thing ever since Mm -hmm. middle school. And so that kind of started with my introductory level to, you know, singing. But then I got to high school and I did, you know, the four years of your standard typical choral types music stuff. And it was around that third year. Everything was kind of falling in place or I was kind of branching out and wanted to do a little bit more than just the typical choral style singing. And so a few buddies of mine, you know, we kind of did the occasional acapella sing for girls thing kind of boys to men kind of act thing and that kind of (laughs) piqued my interest but what really piqued my contemporary acapella interest I guess if you want to call it that is uh, one day I was on YouTube and I was actually uh, just looking at of course hundreds of different music videos and Mm -hmm. I, I started looking up acapella and something drew me to this idea of what's current and so one of the groups that I found was this uh group called on the rocks from the University of Oregon 
And I, I think I was looking for a piece for maybe my guys group to do at the time. And I came across their rendition uh, for the longest time. And normally you hear that and you're just like, okay, well, what's what's really surprising about that? Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it was towards the very end of their video uh, on the rocks. They started incorporating a beatbox into about uh, somewhere near the last refrain of the song. And for some reason, that like completely blew my mind. I was just like, what am I hearing? What is this guy doing? Of course, <laughs> I've heard a beatbox before, but yeah. it was nothing just that grand. You know, I'd never seen it incorporated the way that they had. So that is what initially piqued my interest. And like, okay, from there, I have to, I have to know more. I have to learn more. And so that led into a deep dive of all things college acapella. And I'm sure that's how I found the hundreds of groups I'm currently into now. Totally. So. Yeah, so that was that was surprising um, just to kind of stumble upon that, but it was great and it led me to a place where I am today. Um, you know, of course, with some other events that fell in line. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. How about yourself, John? What what got it started for you? Well, you know, I think I had a fairly similar experience, not specifically with YouTube, but I remember in elementary school. I didn't get into acapella then, but this is kind of like the process that got me there. The show Mm -hmm. choir, the show choir at the high school would come perform for all the elementary students at all the elementary schools, which is a great recruiting idea. And they were called the wind jammers and they would get up in the gym and they would dance and they would sing. And every once in a while they would do like quote unquote standing numbers where they were just doing acapella arrangements and everyone knew who they were. And I always thought like, yeah, that's cool. And then I go into junior high, I get accidentally put in choir um, because they didn't they didn't have a class first period. They didn't have health first period. So I had to get put in choir and I ended up like doing it for two years. I thought it was fun. I started taking voice lessons. And then when I started taking voice lessons and doing choir at the same time, that is when I realized like, oh, this whole singing thing is fun. And I knew, well, I want to be in the Windjammers now because that was the top group. <laughs> and my whole goal was I just want to be in, in the top choir. I want to be in the show choir. But the first song we did starting in Windjammers was an acapella piece. We didn't start with any of our show choir dancing stuff. And it was uh, Gravity by Sarah Bareilles. And starting that, oh, wow, I was like, song. whoa, what? what is this? I was like, I knew what acapella was in terms of like not being accompanied. But I was confused in a really awesome way in that I didn't know, <laughs> one, how we were all singing different notes without a piano and being <laughs> like all on the same kind of page and just being in that experience, almost kind of stumbling into it was really interesting and I think the commonality between our two experiences is we each saw a different dimension of acapella that we hadn't experienced before in that you saw the creativity of you can take a piece and make it your own you can take a Billy Joel tune that doesn't have any percussion in it and add percussion to it because acapella is super malleable and you can make it your own where I saw like oh this is how it's created I was already creating acapella before I knew Mm -hmm. what it was and then I was super entranced by the process of like, oh, I'm singing this note. And after four beats, I moved down a fifth to this note. I didn't know what a fifth was back then, but it's <laughs> it's really cool, I think, when you have these little moments where it all kind of clicks. And it's really cool because I think a lot of people, we've interviewed Brian, I think a decent amount of them have those moments where something just kind of snaps and they realize whether it's seeing pentatonics on the sing-off or hearing straight note chaser. Uh, and I do remember specifically after doing kind of wrapping up my first year doing show choir slash acapella, I went on YouTube and I was super mm-hmm. into trying to beat the rival show choir slash acapella group in our town. <laughs> and they did a version, uh, they had a video of them doing The Longest Time uh, with all their guys. It wasn't amazing and it didn't have beatboxing, but it was seeing 
something like that with all the guys come together and have an awesome time, I was like, oh man, I'm doing this now, but there is so much more out there. And the fact that it was super accessible and I could just dive in, that just got me hooked. And I, I think these moments are things that a lot of people have. And it's pretty great when we can kind of look back on them and go, oh, what got you in? What got you in? So, I mean, it's it's great to just reminisce about this stuff. Yeah, it is. And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally envious of your experience because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I've had more of um, the experiences a lot of people have is where they kind of stumble upon things or they're shown things and yours, you were kind of thrusted into it. Yeah, I guess and, so. And, you know, it was kind of this... I don't know, kind of in my mind, it's kind of like the slight evolution, you know, music kind of running its course and it's taking these different progressions. And, mm -hmm. you know, one day you're trying something new. And I think that's a, a really cool uh, experience at the end of the day. So it, I, I agree. I'm like, all of us have these different things which help us to get there. And it's at the end of the day, it's about the feeling, you know, that mm -hmm. comes, that brings you to there. And, and that kind of gives me my high when I see other people, when I'm there and able to sh kind of realize their experiences or sharing their experiences or even introduce people. And so it's, it's great. I mean, I, I love this community. I love, I love this art form at the end of the day. It's awesome. Absolutely. And yeah. I think the fact is there are more people having these moments now because mm -hmm. there's like, there's more videos on YouTube. There are more groups out there. I didn't have anyone who was, I had people, I had friends who were like really into choir or really into singing, but acapella again, kind of came, kind of evolved out of the show choir. So I didn't have anyone to kind of bond with that over really until yeah. I got to college and I kind of started to understand the acapella scene. And I think that's where, I mean, that's where the community aspect comes in. That's like, oh, you really like this. I really like this. We should both audition for a group or we should both start a group. And then the kind of communal aspect comes into it. So exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious, Brian, how did it work out for you to end up in your first group? How did that, what was that Ooh. process like? Because I think the standard kind of model, which I think a lot of people follow is you do choir in high school. And then if there are acapella opportunities, they, I think when we were in high school, it, it was harder to find like official school acapella groups. Usually it was a choir doing like a pop arrangement, or maybe like they threw together some people for one song. And right. then when those people get to college, they have the opportunity to join an acapella group because that again is where acapella exploded. So was that kind of what happened for you? Well, well, here's where we have to kind of disseminate yeah. between, or between the two, I guess. So when you're asking about my acapella experience, are you referring to my first real structured acapella experience or just mm -hmm. more on my first group experience, you know, just me singing with people? Because um, on one hand, I did have the opportunity to co-founded acapella group in college where, yeah. as you just mentioned, a lot of um, the structure and a lot of the real experiences come for a lot of people are in that first college group uh, since there was no high school group at the time. But at the in that same vein, there was also uh, a group of buddies who are uh, guys that are still some of my best friends today. We actually did a lot of acapella singing outside of the, the high school program. We just kind of did our own thing and we did a few small Christmas gigs. So which I guess would you like to Definitely know more about? Definitely the... Yeah, definitely the latter because that's super different from mine. And again, that the top choir was a show choir slash acapella group. And then we did have a like a small barbershop group within the guise of that. But casual, like student-led high school acapella groups are something I just never got to be a part of. So I'm super curious about your experience <laughs> with that. 
Yeah. So, okay. So as I mentioned, this group, and I'm, like I said, I mentioned these guys are still uh, some of my best friends to this day. We all actually met through the, the high school program. So the there was four of us. One of the guys, uh, we actually met my freshman year because we were both in the men's course together. Mm -hmm. And that was just um, when you first join high school, you're thrown into, you know, one of maybe two or three groups. And it's the men's course, the women's course. And then I think there was one more at the time, but I I can't remember. It wasn't the top group, though. So me and my first friend, we met there and we kind of established Mm -hmm. a friendship and we kind of knew of each other's abilities because we sang together on a day in, day out basis somewhere Throughout the next year to maybe year and a half, we ended up meeting um, the second guy. And I guess it's easy to establish how this worked out based on voice parts. So Mm -hmm. the first guy I met, he ended up being our tenor. This guy had a completely awesome range. He could sing tenor to bass and really good air, but uh, his voice. I know. (laughs) People are just so naturally gifted range wise. Yeah, I hate you. I hate you. I know it sucks. I'm just like, how (laughs) dare you be so talented? And so he was our tenor. I met him freshman year. Our baritone and one of our leads, I guess, of the group, we met him somewhere around the year and a half mark. He was also doing choir as well, but he was a year under me, the tenor of our group, he was a year before me. So when I was mm-hmm. a, about a sophomore is when our baritone came into the school system. And I think my buddy met him somewhere through the choir program. I'm not exactly sure how they met, but I was introduced him through our tenor. And so we kind of established a friendship. That's how all of this whole group got started. We were all friends before we were ever in a singing group. And then nice. it was weird because our third year, I guess when I was a junior, our tenor was a senior, and then our baritone was a sophomore. Uh, our oh, our spread. second, I know it was it's crazy. Like our second lead slash baritone, who also fluctuated as our tenor, he came into the program. But uh, what was crazy is all four of us were never in the same choir together. We were in the choir oh. program, but me and our tenor, we were both in the concert choir. Our lead and baritone, he was in. I guess the the choir right under it. Mm-hmm. And then our last guy who came in around the third year mark, who ended up also being a lead slash baritone because we didn't have a real sense of parts at that time. Yeah. He was in, I guess, the lower level choir at that time. And so we all became friends outside of the choir program. And it was through just casual hanging out mm-hmm. that we were just like, oh, wait, all of us are in choir, you know. Why don't we, you know, just get together, listen to some music and whatever. Exactly. Do our own thing. And we started listening to music, hanging out together, establish a friendship. And then I really don't even remember our first musical experience, but they all played out pretty similarly. We were always hanging out one of our buddy's house, listening to music, whatever. And it was like, hey, let's let's just try this. We're listening to a song. Let's try putting some parts around Mm -hmm. it. And something clicked within the first few times that we did that. I'm like, hey, we're not just decent. We're slightly better than decent. You know, <laughs> we're actually a little, we're, we're a little good here. You know, we can actually <laughs> carry a tune in a bucket, as my, my grandfather likes to say. And so we started just practicing together, singing some random songs. And that kind of transitioned into this whole, well, hey, the holidays are coming up. Let's put together some music and, you know, let's just go caroling, you know, not, mm-hmm. let's not even do it for money, but let's just go to our, our city's downtown area and just go out and sing. 
And we started doing that. Slowly, word started getting around the, you know, the choir program, a little bit around school that, hey, four of us can sing together. And we kind of pitched ourselves, you know, this was a self-pitch thing, mm-hmm. but we were like, hey, we're kind of like this boys to man thing. We were nowhere close yeah. to boys to man. But that's the only thing we could really seem to kind of associate ourselves with. So word got around school that we did that. And, you know, occasionally we sing during the school day together. It was never anything big initially. It was just do some things together outside of school. And, you know, this was before my college year. So this was while we were in the choir program, we were nowhere near developed as we ended up being towards the end of our high school year. So Mm -hmm. we didn't use sheet music everything that we did was uh, auditory. We created parts there on the spot. Yeah, wrote. Um, sometimes we do recordings like off someone's phone and be like, hey, you can go listen to this later on. But a lot of our music was created um, through improv. At the end of the day, we just That's listen really cool. to a song. We create parts and, you know, we sing around a holiday. Sometimes we go sing for a talent show. But that's really how it all began for us. It sounds like this was a very natural coming together it wasn't like you sat up Mm -hmm. one morning and said i am going to make an acapella group and like recruited people (laughs) and everything the fact that you guys were friends beforehand is probably the most interesting thing to me i tried to do something similar before i was good enough to be in the um small like quartet quintet that was within the top choir at my high school my sophomore year i was like hey guys let's do like Mm -hmm. our own quartet and i couldn't hold my part none of us really like we were friends (laughs) but clearly we weren't good enough friends to like make it work and we all kind of got in each other's nerves and it it just it just didn't work out i don't think we were mature enough to handle it so i'm i'm curious because i mean this sounds like so idyllic and that like yeah we just like naturally came together and we would just you know not pull our arrangements out of thin air, but like you created something without necessarily going through the standard channels of like, yeah. you said you didn't decide you want to make an acapella group necessarily. You said you wanted to sing with these friends and that's how the an acapella group came to be. Exactly. And looking back at that time, I was nowhere near as ambitious as I was once I ended up leaving the program. And that's why, of course, it's always so important to stick with the structure of things early on while you're still getting your bearings down. But like I said, this kind of formulated, like you're saying, through a friendship. And then if I'm also being honest, it all a lot of it also had to deal with, hey, we want to sing for girls at times. Right. And so that was, <laughs> you know, which is why a lot of guys get into music at the end of the day, if we're being completely honest. Yeah. And so <laughs> a lot of, um, I guess, what was the driving force was a need or not a need, a desire to impress girls. And then at the same time, it was that bond as friends that, hey, we all have this common interest let's see what we can actually do with it. Because even while we were doing our little side music project and stuff, as I said, we were still involved with the choir program. Uh, a lot of us were, or actually I think all four of us, we were auditioning for, you know, all state choirs mm-hmm. and doing that. So we were still developing ourselves. It was just that there was this need and there was a desire to kind of break away and do things that um, we were, yeah, our way, exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. We wanted to sing some music that we really enjoyed doing and that we didn't really have the time to do during the school day. So it was it was kind of just like this opportunity just to break away and have a, some relief from everything yeah. else going on. And I think, you know, when I look back in my college years, that's exactly how the college was. When, like, yeah. I, I was tired of doing just a typical choral structured program and I was looking for something different. So yeah, that's how, that's how I got into it. I think that's a great story. And I'm curious. So 
You guys obviously made a four-part tenor-based quartet. Was there a group like that in your school's program already? Were there any guy groups that regularly performed popular music or were there any like tenor-based quartets? Well, and see, that's the crazy part because there was absolutely nothing similar to what mm -hmm. we were doing. We did have your typical men's course, all freshmen guys that come yeah. to the program. That's what you go through and that's the group that you're in. But I can't even think of the music we were doing back then, but it was, it was nothing current. It was nothing yeah. contemporary. It was, you know, foreign pieces. Um, it was the typical things, uh, that you just sing in a normal high school choir program. So I think that had a lot to do with mm -hmm. why we were doing what we were doing. There was just complete absence. And that's also a little bit why I'm so jealous of where acapella is at today. Oh, because yeah. so many schools have the, the benefit of having like high school groups and they can perform all of these cool, exciting current they have pieces structure, and things. Yeah. They don't have to arrange everything by themselves. They don't have to put in so much more logistical work. And I think the fact mm -hmm. that there was no group like you guys at the school, that just adds one more motivating factor in that you, when you make something, it is completely unique and you almost have like an ownership in a sense over the tenor bass quartet in your community. Because when mm -hmm. I tried to make my like little high school group, it was neat, but it was kind of a carbon copy of a group that already existed of upperclassmen. So there wasn't that extra motivating factor because even if we did really well, we weren't going to be unique. Whereas with Mountain Horns, when I started that at CSU, there were no tenor bass acapella groups. So there's that extra thing of we're not only doing something for ourselves, we're doing something for ourselves that no one in this community is used to. And we're carving out our own role. And that's what it sounds like was great for you guys. There's a novelty to that because you're filling a void that people didn't know existed. Exactly. And I'm so guilty of this. And I know our, a lot of people in the community are, but we reference and we discuss a lot of, uh, of our art form as being a very niche thing, not realizing that, hey, while it's not maybe, you know, Nicki Minaj, Bruno Mars, mainstream, our art form is actually developing into a more mainstream thing. Oh, yeah. I look at it at to where I was at and I was in high school from 2004 to 2008, I, I hate putting my age out there, <laughs> but you know, acapella was not flourishing to the level it is today as it was back then. And so it was such a complete, just like you couldn't even look around and like no, no one had heard of pentatonics. Yeah. Um, no, no they one, didn't exist then. Yeah, exactly. I'm like the big groups at the time to me um, that I was aware of was um, Rockapella, yep. Take Six, and like uh, I think Straight No Chaser. While the college group was there, like the resurgence of it. Yeah, that didn't happen for a little bit. I, or if it did, it would have happened. Yeah, like right as you were leaving. Exactly. So you didn't have what a lot of groups have today, which is they can ride the wave in a sense. Like random people on this street, they have heard of mm -hmm. acapella, whereas people back then they didn't know what it was. So there's no, you have to go search for it. It's yeah. crazy. So the difference is. It's kind of harder to make it happen, I'd imagine, because there isn't an appetite for it because people don't know it exists. But there's also a big reward in that because they don't know it exists when they do see it and they experience it, I mean, it just mm -hmm. blow, it blows the roof off. So, I mean, that's just so cool. And I think it's a cool examination of how far acapella has come and how widely it's disseminated. And that's really great to kind of get. You said you graduated in 2008. Yeah, high school. Yeah. So I graduated in uh, 2011. So it's cool, even just that three year gap. And I know we were in different states and whatnot, but to mm -hmm. see 
how much more, even just from my the beginning of high school to the end of high school, how the appetite culturally, just in my town, evolved uh, the appetite for acapella. So we actually got to take a quick break here. Brian and I are just running our mouths, having such a fun time talking <laughs> about this, uh, these unique cultural moments and how things have evolved in really the past. Uh, you know, if Brian, if you graduated high school in two thousand eight, that's that's ten years ago. Sorry, maybe you don't want me saying that, but I, know. I was a. How dare you? I know, I know. I was uh, I was wrapping up my freshman year then at the end of two thousand eight. So it's cool to see how everything kind of keeps moving forward and evolves. And that's, I think, why acapella is so exciting right now. It's why I wanted to make this show is because it's relevant right now and people are talking about it and it's big. So we're going to pass it on over to Amanda Tran here for a little bit with her segment, Notable Coverage. And then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella with me and Brian. So we're going to be right back. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and basically what we do every week is, first off, I find a song that is being overdone in the acapella world, and then we just talk about all the reasons why, that it's potentially done so much in the acapella world and maybe even listen to a couple versions that I think are awesome or maybe we don't because none of the versions are awesome. But that being said, this week on Notable Coverage episode 18, we're going to listen to All About That Bass, originally performed and written by Megan Trainer. Right off the bat, the song title already is calling for it to be arranged for acapella people. If you are new to the acapella world, or if you've been in the acapella world your entire life, you know that acapella people love puns. Whether or not they um, admit to this, it's going to happen. They always We always talk in puns. Most of our group names are in musical puns. We make jokes about musical puns on stage, on social media. It's everywhere. And it's almost impossible to fight it, so you just got to go with it. Anywho... All about that bass, huge pun, huge song. It was bound to be covered by tons of acapella groups. Now, digging into the meat of the song, All About That Bass is extremely catchy. Whether or not you are a fan of it, you cannot deny that after you heard it the first time, you knew the melody, you knew the hook, you knew pretty much all the words in the song, and that is genius songwriting at its best. Megan Trainer really did that. It was such a huge radio pop hit, and props to her. Because she wrote and arranged the song in kind of a 60s doo-wop style, there's already so many vocal moments and motifs happening in the song that make it so easy for an arranger who to basically just transcribe it, and it'll just be a fun addition to your set, regardless if you made a unique arrangement or not. And with all that being said, most of the All About That Bass arrangers out there are pretty much the same. And the version I'm about to show you is super fun because they kind of rewrote it to really make a huge play on the pun all about that bass. This group is straight no chaser. They are no strangers to the acapella world, but they had a moment to feature their basses and did a really fun and funny rearrangement and rewrite of this Megan Trainer hit. 
I'm your host, Amanda Tran. Definitely reach out to me at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran, R-O-C-K-S. If you have any questions, any comments, any requests, or any other versions of songs that you think are awesome that you've heard through the weeks that I should know about, hit me up, and I can't wait to talk to you about acapella. Thanks, guys. Bye. And welcome back to Tacapella. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Lampus, hanging out with Brian Alexander. As always, we've had a fun time today just interviewing each other for a change. I'm having a great time. I heard a lot right there. We all did about Brian's high school acapella experience. And now I think we're going to dive a little bit into our college scenes. And normally... On this, uh, we talk about the groups we founded. Brian founded the Green Tones. I founded the Timbermen. Mm-hmm. So we both have a slightly more similar route that we took in our college years. So Brian, you may not know this, and I haven't. I think I've talked about it a little bit in Tacapella's early days. But when I got into my freshman year at the University of Puget Sound, where I did my undergrad, uh, go loggers, hack, hack, chop, chop. Um, th- 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 that's our saying. I'm not just saying, you know, random <laughs> sounds just because okay. I, get, I get weird looks sometimes. But I got in there. There were three groups on campus. There was what she said, the soprano alto group, garden level, the tenor bass group, and underground sound, the mixed group, which was led by our own Lisa Hawkins. And I auditioned for garden level because I wanted to be in a tenor bass ensemble. I got in, I was kind of, I barely got in. They kind of were like, yeah, you did pretty good in the audition. Not like amazing, but if you work on it, you can be in. And I was like, okay, sure. What? That's, yeah, I, I, I know. have trouble believing this. It's, oh, hey, dude, I could not tune, I, I could not really tune that well when I started, but it was also, they were really looking for second bases that year. And I was kind of a second oh. base. I wasn't totally a second base, so they weren't kind of sold mm-hmm. on me. And they offered me the spot and I turned it down. And what? I said, I know, I know. And I, it's both a regret and like a good thing in some ways. So I turned it down because I realized I like loved acapella so much. And I was really worried about my freshman year about taking on too much. I was worried that mm. if I do this, I'm not going to be able to commit to it. That's common uh, my concern. voice teacher was like, yeah, you should yeah. really do the opera. That's going to be like easier on your voice. And I was like, that's a good point. And then I was also trying to get certified to teach band at that time. I dropped that like after half a semester. because <laughs> I was like, no, this isn't for me. But I turned it down thinking I'll wait till next year. I auditioned my sophomore year, did not get in. There was not oh, a spot geez. for me that year. Auditioned my junior year, did not get in. So it was a giant blow to my ego. And I I was really mad at the time. I understand the decision a lot more now, having been on the other side of auditions, seeing how things change year to year. If you have someone Mm -hmm. who gets in and then 
they say no thanks you can kind of feel like dude what the heck we just like we made this hard decision and offered you something but man that was a blow to my ego they were looking for different things the following years and i barely got in freshman year but because i didn't get in my junior year uh i decided to make timberman they just had their auditions I think yesterday, five years later. So oh, this is kind nice. of a blessing in disguise in that while I didn't get into the large guys group, I made a small guys group, which has been a quartet, quintet, and septet, or sextet, yeah, four, five, and six person group over the years, and that taught me so much more about acapella. But it is this thing of I had a pretty kind of strange way of finding my way into the organized, structured acapella world. Yeah. And I, I, so I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so I want you to kind of think back on those years. Um, after first off, let's just acknowledge the fact that you had the luxury of turning down an acapella group. Not I know. many people get that. And then secondly, uh, when you're looking back at those years, you know, when you didn't make it in, I, I think you said you're a sophomore um, and juniors, you know, what do you do during those years when you're not in a group? You know, is the love still there? Um, I know you had these other music endeavors, but, you know, it's acapella just put on the back burner because I'm kind of in that situation now. Of course, I'm done with school and everything, but I don't have a group anymore. So yeah. for you, I'm curious, you know, was the involvement there still? Was it still learning about groups? Was it developing or yeah. you know, what happened? It, it was still developing and it was like freshman year. I was like, yeah, I'll probably do it next year. So I still had my love for it. I followed groups a lot. I listened to plenty of albums. Uh, sophomore year, that was a major blow when I didn't get in, but I still kept up with it. I was still listening to stuff. My friend Duncan, Duncan Toomey, who's been on the show many times, he started his own group, The Crossman, out at St. Olaf, or just Crossman, not The. I always forget that. There's no The. Mm -hmm. And I followed his group a lot, and I just kind of took the time not being in a group to learn more about acapella as a whole, kind of learning oh, okay. rather than doing. But I won't deny that it was a major blow both times. And I definitely wasn't sure how to handle it. I was like, do I just not do acapella? Do I, what, what, what should I do going forward? And I think what was super valuable about that experience was giving me the perspective of this is what it feels like to be rejected from a group. Yeah. You know, it's not quite the same because I've never rejected someone from one of my groups that got in the previous year. Cause again, cause mine was a weird case. But I definitely have an appreciation now for people who auditioned for groups I'm in or groups where I have input on who gets in and I turn them down. And I'm, I don't know, it's, I'm not th saying that I would have been mean about it had I just stayed in Garden Level, the group there, but it just gave me a lot more sensitivity to the situation and also recognizing that someone's passion is super, super mm -hmm. important because when I didn't get in that group, I was like, well, I'm going to get really good at singing and I'm going to get really good at acapella because I like this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, it didn't work out the year after I didn't get in the first time. And I remember that night when I got the email saying, you know, you're not in the group, you didn't make it. I texted one of my friends, dude. And he in the next morning, he's like, what? And I was like, we should talk. And then he came <laughs> and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, we're going to make our own quartet. And he was like, okay, we're doing it. And because oh, wow. he didn't audition for the groups. And then you know, basically about four or five months later after a few, a bit of membership changes, that's how Timberman came to be. But it's this really weird kind of multifaceted situation where as someone who has pursued acapella somewhat into the professional sphere with Tacapella, with starting two groups and with just staying super involved, those people who generally do those things generally don't get turned down from groups or generally if they are turned down from groups, they don't take that path. And it's definitely kind of a mixed 
legacy in a sense that sometimes I don't know how I feel about it. Would I have learned more had I gone on with Gar Neville? But I know making Timberman was honestly probably the best thing that could have happened to me. So that's my kind of wild and crazy story that I haven't talked about on Tacapella. Um, if I have, it's been a while. So yeah, yeah. Brian, just just bearing my soul to you right there, man. Not, not <laughs> I'm really. like, I feel like we're we're a little more connected now. Yeah. I've never heard right? that uh, bit of information. So <laughs> wow, man, I can't believe it. That that's crazy though. I, like I said, the experience is always different for everyone. But mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you come back to what you're passionate about. So yeah, and I think it's remaining passionate in the face of rejection. Mm-hmm. The failure to not get in that group made me. Like, okay, now I I know what I need to work on. And I think failure is super important in acapella and just getting up against the wall and realizing either you're not good enough or it just didn't work out. That forced me to grow as a musician, as an acapella person, and as a person in general. So I'm I'm grateful for those failures and grateful for those experiences that I had a lot of support to take those failures and make them into something that I'm proud of, like Timberman and acapella and all that stuff. Yeah, it's all part of the process at the end of the day because I look back and I've I've obviously started more groups than I've ever had the How many have you started? The need to. Oh man. <laughs> um I guess if you just look at it just from a flat number, um, let's see. There was one, two, three. I say I think it was I guess technically about four groups. Wow, I'm only say at two, man. I, I, I got to catch up. <laughs> well, well, I I say that number very liberally because two of them were like completely well established. You know, they're still up and running till this day. And then the other two was one was right after college. It was my first attempt. I remember. At I think we talked about that. Group. Yeah. And so this was a, a few of the uh, alumnus members of my college group, as well as some buddies from high school. We started a thing and that one lasted maybe close to a year and then it kind of dissolved. And then the other one, um, in the way I look at it as that high school group was my first real group yeah. that I started. And so we were all co-founders. So that's why I used four, but uh, if we're getting just to what who's still up and running two groups to, yeah. to this day. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. No, totally. And I, I have, I tried to start two other things. One, like as a fun summer group in that high school one I talked about and both, we never performed. We learned music, but we never performed. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't count those either. But I mean, <laughs> it's these failures that are important. I mean, it sounds like yours all worked, but it is this sense <laughs> of learning what is and isn't enough, learning where you should put your energies, learning what the common pitfalls are, all of these things, because I mean, they just make us better at what we do. I learned so much from Timberman by doing the wrong things. And then when I started Mountain Horns, I knew a lot more about, okay, this is how you do auditions. This is how you set this stuff up. Um, because I have done this the wrong way. And I would share those experiences. Like Mountain Horns would sometimes be like, well, shouldn't we do it this way? And I'm like, I've done it that way. And I screwed mm-hmm. it up and it was wrong. And then one, because I was sharing that, but two, because I had the experience of failure, they bought into it more. They're like, oh, wow. Okay. John screwed up. So I, I guess we really got to, <laughs> we got to believe him here. Stuff like exactly. that. And I think people are too afraid of failure. They're too afraid to suck for a little bit to get past the the phase of sucking as weird as it sounds. Yeah. And you bring up a good point that just made me think of something. So I don't know if it's the case with other people who have founded groups, but in, to me personally, there there is a slight curse and being a, a founder of a group and mm. an even bigger curse of being a, a founder of multiple groups and not doing enough auditioning because it, then it brings you to that point when you actually go out there and audition in groups, you're looking at it from your past experiences Ooh. and you're 
And a, yeah. a lot of that, a lot of um, uh, groups that I've had the experience with going on to try and audition for and stuff, it's not super formal audition process. A lot of it mm-hmm. is they bring you into the group. You actually go through the rehearsal aspect and that's part of the auditions to see if you actually gel because they don't yeah. not a lot of i guess semi-pro groups have the luxury of doing this full-fledged stopping audition the group to audition like 20 yeah exactly exactly and so it causes you to look at the group through a different lens and sometimes it causes you to act based off that lens and that perspective which you've been used to and it's like well i know that doesn't work because it didn't work for my last group and so Mm -hmm. and now i'm kind of acting a certain way through this audition process or you know it's causing me carrying yourself differently in the group yeah exactly so it's a slight in my mind it's a slight curse at times and while i haven't been like i guess rejected formally from a lot of groups i've had my experiences where i've uh, submitted audition stuff for a group and you know i didn't hear back from them at the end of the day and so i've i've had my own failures with acapella as well i totally get what you mean about the curse right now i am finishing up grad school i went to grad school in colorado and i'm back in oregon now doing my student teaching here and mm-hmm. you know my my group i started back in colorado they're still going so i'm at a point where i could join another group and i feel like a snob i'll like look up groups and i'm like hmm that's not how i would voice that or that's not how many <laughs> like that's not how i would distribute the parts there yeah. i have this idea of how things need to be done and because of that i am super picky and i feel like if i put myself in situations where i am not in charge i'm going to have a bad time or i might conflict with the group leadership or whatever And I think that's just something I need to grow past. But at the same time, I feel like I've honed my skills in two very specific situations where I know what works and I know what doesn't. And it's a little strange to try and be not a quote unquote regular member, but to try Mm -hmm. and just be in an acapella group without necessarily bringing in all those group leadership or group running skills into it. Because in that situation, I'm just a member. I'm not the president. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a senator Mm -hmm. or whatever. I I, I don't know why I'm using politics as a metaphor here, but it's (laughs) trying to go into a group and not try and lead it or bring in my leadership ideas because I'm not a leader in that group. It's weird. And it's kept me from auditioning for groups at this point because I'm not sure how to handle that. Yeah. And it's definitely word. And you mentioned the word ego. And I, I don't know if it's, and I'm trying to think of the re- the correct word. I, I'm like, maybe it's ego, maybe it's confidence. It's all the different well, it's, variations. It's, you're used on to that a way word. of doing things, so it, it's exactly. it might be rigidity. I don't know. I don't know something and, like and, that. And I've suffered the same thing because you know I look at um, the beginning stages of the group, my semi-pro group that I was in back in Utah before I moved back here to Texas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those members were people who were doing singing for the first time or who had never had real acapella experience. And I kind of walked into the group and I was like, not that I in any way was disrespectful about it, but it was just more like, well, hey, You've I have done this it. experience. You, I've you, done it. You have literally done this exact situation. Exactly. So you can say to them, hey, I've done this, but then that's a tricky social situation to manage. And I'm lucky in that with Mountain Horns, all the people who got in were undergrads. So it was really easy for me Mm -hmm. to throw my weight around and kind of lead things in a way that didn't risk being egotistical. It was just, hey, I started this, I'm in charge. But when you're in that Mm -hmm. situation, you're like, well, this isn't how I would do it. So how as a group leader, do I transition into just being a member and not trying to lead? Or if I think they're doing something wrong leading wise, how do I not like call them out? It's it's kind of an and, identity and that, crisis. That's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is because, and I think some of it 
does deal with timing a bit and it, it yeah. kind of becomes a little easier the longer you're in one group totally. because I look back at my college experience time and I remember thinking in those last two years, definitely more of the last year, it was just like, man, I've had so much leadership power in this group and I've had so much um, of this whole label as just, okay, well, you're the founder, so we got to do what you say. And it, mm-hmm. it took me you know, after all those years and especially that last year, been like, hey, I got to step back. Mm-hmm. I have to be a regular member. So not only so that the current group can know how to function, but so that I know how to function after I get out of right? this group. Yeah. It's like rehabilitation. You've been a leader <laughs> for like three years and now you have to go be just a member for one yeah. year. That's, oh, man, I, I got to imagine there yeah. are other people who have had this experience. And I'm, if you've had this experience and you're listening, please let us know because I think this is something that doesn't get talked about in acapella. And that's why I'm glad we had that uh, that episode with Greg that came out recently all about talking about letting a group go and all these things because there are these topics. Uh, well, I'm too much of a group leader or mm-hmm. I don't or like I'm too attached to my old group that sound like positives. But for the people who are dealing with them, Maybe they sound like first world problems in the sense like, what, you have great leadership (laughs) skills, boo-hoo, or wow, you have a group that you connect with that you founded, like whatever. But these are things as founders, as people who fulfilled a certain role for a certain amount of time, it's weird to try and step out of that rhythm and just be a member. So I got to imagine we're not the only people who are dealing with this. And I think it's something that, you know, people should be willing to talk about because it's it's not just a problem. It's a weird problem. And so and I think that's that's exactly what it is. It's like no one is talking about it. I think from an outside perspective, it's kind of glorifying acapella. You see all the cool parts. You see the cool videos. You see the the people who are selling themselves on being these arrangers and stuff products yes you see so much of the finished Mm -hmm. products and you know and i i love uh the facebook uh a group uh, the casa and because you have these people asking those questions on you know how do i structure this Mm -hmm. i'm going through auditions for the first time i'm doing x y and z and that's where the real insight is coming from and i i love i love this form that you and i have to talk about this because no one is talking about it and it's exactly what would have been super helpful to me years ago totally uh, when I was going through it. Absolutely. And and this has just been super fun, Brian, just kind of diving into uh, these past couple episodes, diving into topics that one people I think don't want to talk about, but also that people don't think to talk about. So, and I think um, if you're listening out there, let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Because obviously, Brian and I are lucky in that we've had pretty similar experiences and have gone through similar conflicts or similar kind of obstacles because of those experiences. But I'm sure there's something that people out there are dealing with. Like, I didn't ever have to deal with this, but being like too good of a soloist is to the point where you get all the solos <laughs> or not being able to like group sing or something like that. As weird as that sounds, kind of in that vein of what are you talking about? That's great. Well, actually, it's a little tricky here let's deconstruct this and analyze it and dive into it because we're at an age in acapella where we can afford to do that the daily concerns of an acapella person aren't necessarily anymore i need to convince the school board to let me have an acapella mm-hmm. group and it's not even how do i keep my acapella group running now we're getting into like i don't want to say the post acapella phase but where the boom is it's not a boom anymore we're in an acapella age and now we're dealing with these questions that I don't mm-hmm. think we ever thought we'd have to deal with. And I think it's important in answering those questions and figuring out what the correct answers are, whether it's how do I deal with not contacting my old group or how do I make sure I have a healthy relationship with a group I founded and 
how do I deal with being a regular member in an acapella group rather than a leader after I've led and founded many groups? These are questions that if we can find the right answers for or just explore are going to encourage uh, and allow the acapella culture to grow and evolve because they're important questions. And if we ignore them, uh, we're not going to go anywhere. And even just talking about them, even if we don't find the exact answer, like John, Brian, this is what you have to do. I think we're going to make a lot of progress. So Brian, man, th th this was super fun talking about this because I think it's just crazy important for people to think about. Yeah. And I, I, one thing that you said kind of struck me. I'm like, acapella is flourishing right now. Yeah. I'm like, we talk about the, we mentioned earlier about it being mainstream. I'm like, well, so much of, um, the technical parts of it and yeah. so much of the behind the scenes stuff. I'm like, it's growing. It's, it's there, you know, we, we just have to kind of, you know, put it out there and talk about it, make sense of it all and figure out ways to make it all work uh, no matter what stage you're at. Cause I, yeah. I love it. Like how each level is growing is uh developing is Middle doing something really cool now like that stuff that's yeah. so crazy i, I know i'm like I've, I've i saw some things on uh, online about elementary school groups and <laughs> middle school groups starting out for the first time now now i, I would say be cautious and take your time with the, yeah. the younger uh, people who are still trying to find their voice, but it's great. It's inspiring. And I, I love it. These are good problems to have. The fact that we are having these discussions and it's no longer how does acapella get mainstream. It's about what happens when you're mainstream and some things are still a little weird. Those are objectively yeah. good problems to have because it means we're in a good spot. And I really enjoy talking about these kind of topics because they're going to force us to grow as a culture and grow as a, as a community. So, I mean, I, I think it's just great. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break here. We're going to pass it on over to Erin McCallow with her segment Across the Pond. And then Brian and I will be right back and wrap up this episode and let us know where you can find us. And we're going to be right back. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. UK acapella, from collegiate to semi-professional groups, live events, gigs, spotlights, interviews, this is Across the Pond, and I am Erin, bringing you everything you need to know about UK acapella. This week on Across the Pond is going to be slightly different. So everything in the UK starts slightly later. So we've basically all just started having rehearsals. We've just got all of our newbies. Nothing's really happening. It's super quiet at the minute. A couple of weeks ago, I shared my concerns about coming up with goals and intent and motivation for the year. This week is going to be somewhat along the same lines, but it's more sort of what I've learned from being a music director and being a, the, the manager of the group. And it's something that I think is really key to starting on a good foot and having all of the members of your group on the same page, which is setting expectations. I think this is absolutely key to having a great year and achieving all of the goals that you want to achieve. It's not really about the outcome, so it's not the expectation that we want to do 10 gigs or we want to do this competition and we want to win this award it's not it's not about that but it's expectations for the members of the group to uphold to know that 
this is what we expect from you and this is what you should expect from your committee or I think it's called um, the executive board in, in US acapella, I think. It basically just means that everyone's on the same page when we begin the year and will hopefully potentially minimise any conflict or any issues there are in the group because everyone is going to be upheld to the same expectations. So for me, in my head, I sort of split this into two main routes, which would be the administrative side and the music side. So expectations in terms of the administrative side, what we like to do and what I think works extremely well is before the year starts, try to have as many dates in the diary as possible. Even if they're not confirmed, if you say, okay, we want to record a music video um, next spring. That might seem like a while away considering it's, you know, it might be September or October when you're putting that out there. But if you say, okay, you need to make sure that you're free for these two weekends that we might be recording a music video. That means that if people say, well, they come to you in February and say, I can't, I have to be at, my girlfriend's birthday party is next weekend. I can't do it. It's like, you knew about this and that's just the way it is. So that's what we like to do. We release a full calendar with all of the dates that we currently have and we say look there's obviously going to be some stuff in here that isn't that we won't know about you know especially the further you go into the year you're not going to know you know things are uncertain of course but the more you have and the more you communicate that the earlier the better is absolutely key so we have um gigs booked in for april already for february and we try fit everything around that so that people can work their lives around your group rather than you know, them working the group around their other commitments. So we do that for things like gigs, for busking, obviously for rehearsals, we have to say every Wednesday, Friday evening, you know, whatever your schedule is. And then the expectations in terms of music. So however you your group likes to do it, we sort of have the precedent that we'll maybe spend one rehearsal note bashing uh, a piece. So going through part by part. I don't mind doing that. I think it gives people a nice introduction to the song once we've gone through that it's then the expectation of that person to go away and learn it and that's just the way it is so that's very key another key part of the music for for me as a music director is saying from the word go that there's no phones when we're learning music we have everything on paper might seem quite old school to some groups but I actually think it's just so important that people aren't distracted and even if you're you know a soprano and you have to sit and listen to the basses and the tenors learning their part for 20 minutes it's worth it because you get to hear every single part of that piece and the texture and what it's what the piece is trying to do rather than just learning your own thing and that's it and then sitting on Instagram for the rest of the rehearsal that's for me pretty pointless and I think rehearsal is such a therapeutic time to just sit and really commit yourself and really focus to that piece of music um and just having no phones we all love it and it's not you know no one's like oh this is this is a dictatorship it's like we all agree that phones are quite distracting and it's just a really nice time to put them all away Um, and we have a 10 minute break in the middle of a two and a half hour rehearsal and we can all you know check up on our social medias then whatever so I would recommend doing that if you haven't uh, tried that Um, I know some groups learn music from their phones or tablets again would recommend just trying it on paper and finally the expectation of the group to us if that makes sense so these are all things that i would expect from members of the group learning music outside rehearsals turn up to stuff but what do they expect from us well i i think that group members should expect um a committee or an executive board to just be selfless and to put the group first and to come up with these goals that 
are for the good of the group to make sure that everyone is content to be reasonable when people have to miss things you know like life is more important than acapella really you know to be compassionate to be understanding and to listen to people's opinions is so important you know as a music director you have to say you have to consider everyone's opinions with things having the expectation there that you know everyone will have a different opinion on things so if for example you're coming up with an idea for a music video there's 16 people on our group not all 16 of us are gonna agree on the idea for the video that's just very unlikely that we'll all agree on every element of it but we have a set expectation that if the majority of people are like yeah wow that's great then the person who didn't like it is will just have to say okay yeah we'll do it for the good of the group and you know what it'll probably end up being fine and if you set that expectation from the word go along with everything else then the creative decisions are going to be a lot easier and the expectation that people aren't going to get upset when their opinion isn't necessarily used or utilized um makes life a lot easier setting all of these things out and the earlier you can say this the better because it's so good to go over these expectations with um older members of the group and it completely forms the opinion and the expectation of the new members of the group because they have no idea how you've previously run so if you set this from the word go and say this is how the group runs you know they're not going to question it it's not anyway that may have been useful that may not have been i hope it was and i hope that you can maybe impart some of that knowledge into your own group so thank you so much for listening uh we will be back next week with another installment of across the pond and we're back on Tacapella. Now we've been discussing uh, so much. some of the best material like ever. Uh, really we've been kind of digging into each other's past, you know, figuring out you know what's kind of worked, what hasn't. There's and been just a lot of crying. This. Like it's it's been it's been kind of brutal. <laughs> the emotions have been raw, basically, <laughs> is what we're trying to say. And so, as usual, uh, what we do for the final closing part of the show is we like to ask the guests, you know, what piece of advice. Uh, would you kind of give to the audience, but we don't have guests. Yeah, so it's just us. <laughs> it's just us, but you know, we don't want to break away from tradition. So uh, we're going to both uh, just kind of disseminate some last uh, parting advice. So yeah. John, if you were to offer advice to our listeners, what would you say? Embrace failure. Uh, and I don't just mean that like failure is success that hasn't grown up yet. I, you know, none of that stuff or weird way of putting it. Failure sucks and it's not fun. But if you fully embrace it, if you, as a writer who I follow, tweeted about, if you embrace the suck, if you like recognize that I am not good at this right now, you will move through it faster and you will grow so much more. And through failure, you learn so much about yourself. So embrace failure. What about you, Brian? What's your piece of advice this week? Um, If I had to offer anything, I would say, since we've been talking a lot about the um, acapella growing and thriving and flourishing, I would say just, you know, kind of stay true to your purpose and stay true to your passion Mm -hmm. and don't really, you know, feel like you have to be swayed by what's going on. Continue and reinventing the wheel. Continue uh, charting your own acapella course at the end of the day, because, you know, for me, it all started from a passion of singing and there was nothing there and, you know, it developed into something great. So don't be afraid to try things, uh, chart your own course and stay true to your passion. Boom. 
All right, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for this really fun episode of Tacapella with just Brian and I. We, man, I just had a ton of fun today, Brian, talking about all this stuff. Oh, same uh, here. If people want to reach out to you, man, and be like, hey, Brian, how did you found the Green Notes? Or just talk to you about <laughs> what it was like in your high school group. How could they do that? Well, for just uh, edit's sake, uh, it is the Green Tones. Oh, but... my God. I keep saying it. <laughs> I keep saying it every time. It's all good, man. <laughs> so uh, if you guys want to follow me, as usual, uh, follow me on Twitter at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore A05. I'm doing a lot more on Twitter these days. And as usual, please go follow all of the, the social media channels for College Acapella, which is I post pretty regularly through there every single day. Awesome. And then everyone, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm in the same place as always at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Twitter and Instagram. I don't post much on Instagram and on Twitter, I talk mainly about superheroes. It's a good time. (laughs) Uh, So that's going to wrap it up. Brian, this was super fun. Uh, We should do more like just not that we're going to say, hey, no more, no more guests, but we should, we should do some more uh, uh, just host episodes. No, we're interesting enough by ourselves. Yeah, I mean, mean, there's an argument to be made there, but... uh, uh, everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Tacapella featuring myself, John Lampus, and Brian Alexander. I have a brand new episode for you next week. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned.